Okay, so we are live and we're recording. Um, welcome, everybody. Welcome, Marissa. This is Creating Consciousness, episode eight. And um, my name is Paige Elizabeth. I'm a, a personal coach. I'm an author. I wrote the book, Leading an Intentional Life. This is my podcast where we talk about how to adapt during these crazy and uncertain times. And um, today I have a longtime friend, a peer from the yoga community, who I'm very impressed with. I don't have a green thumb, but she does. And she and her husband, she just got married. They actually, during, and I don't want, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but during the initial part of COVID, they made a crazy decision to just kind of abandon their old life and move to Arkansas and start over essentially, right? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I guess you could say that. Thanks, Paige. It's, um, <laughs> it's fun to be here with you. And, uh, you know, the process of abandoning our life in Las Vegas, um, interesting you worded it that way, but it ended up being a quicker final transition than we expected. Um, that process lasted a couple of years in the planning stages. So um, we wanted to explore a new phase of life. And for the last decade, Jeremy and I have been, um, we were living in Las Vegas. We had this extensive urban agriculture project where we essentially took our eighth of an acre that our little house was on in a track home and made it into an urban homestead. So after this you know, um, experience of raising Jeremy's two kids, they were grown up, we had this window where we started planning, how do we get out of Vegas if we ever want to do that? And how can we have an experience that's really different than what we've um, been doing. So the sky was the limit, the time was right. Jeremy found this really beautiful lake that is called Beaver Lake and it's out here in Northwest Arkansas. And we started shopping for real estate on the internet, taking some trips out, investigating. And after about a year of pretty heavy shopping, we found a perfect piece of land in the forest by the lake and fully undeveloped. No water, no sewage, no electricity, no driveway, just a piece of forest um, with some springs and some waterfalls and a lot of really beautiful, large trees, mostly oak and hickory. And um, we purchased it. And that was, I think, about October, November of 2019. So still having no idea that this COVID thing was going to happen. Um, we purchased the land and we were planning a multi-phase transition. I was teaching a yoga program at UNLV. I wanted to stay because of my job. There was a lot of back and forth about whether we would just go for the summers for a couple years. And then eventually I would give up my position. I was, um, having just such a great time sharing yoga with young people. So when um, spring break rolled around, we weren't planning on moving. We had all of our stuff in a moving truck 
and a girlfriend of mine helped us drive the moving truck and another vehicle and we were towing out some trailers with equipment that we um that we have and um we just happened to arrive in arkansas on the first day of the COVID thing so with total lack of clarity about what was going to happen but a for sure feeling that being in the woods in arkansas was going to in the long run be a nicer place to sit out the COVID thing than back at home in Las Vegas, we made this crazy decision to just stay. And we've been out here, it's um, about a year and two weeks now that we've been out here um, in Northwest Arkansas. And um, the transition, it was very much one of those rip the bandaid off. Paige likes these kinds of transitions. They get kicked <laughs> and pushed off into thing. And, we were on a roll, so here we are. Yeah, because yeah, you had talked about even maybe moving to Montana, I remember a while back. You were looking to leave, and you're from Hawaii originally, so this is like, I mean, I don't know why you ever left Hawaii, but anyway, you're here, and you know, now you're, now you're totally living in a completely different circumstance. And again, you had a green thumb before. Marissa would bring over things like, um, cucumbers to me and then you know parsley and basil I, I think um she would from her own garden and it's funny because we've kept in touch but the conversations that we've had have been really interesting and I remember Marissa talking to me about guns right and like you know I'm a gun person but like we're both from the yoga community where they, they tend to really frown upon that. And it was just interesting to hear this transition. So um, you, one of the big things that I know was a, hu a huge change for you guys. And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I want to hear it from you, but you guys had been vegan for a long time and that shifted, right? Great. Yeah. Uh, these were a couple of topics I want. I knew you'd want me to address. So the first six months that we were seven, the first seven months that we spent here in Northwest Arkansas, we, um, we arrived on our land and our plan was to camp on our land for 10 days. And then my spring break at UNLV would finish. We had flights back to Vegas. We were going to come back, put a couple finishing touches on our home that we were going to sell. And, um, and then transition sometime during the summer by the end of 2020. So we made this decision to stay. My job went online. So the incentive to go back to Vegas was lessened. And um, our camping trip just got extended. So if you haven't been to the Ozarks, um, I would describe this area as um, at least the wooded sections, at least our forest as being temperate rainforest. So a lot of water. I think we get like 55 inches a year. It's real wet. Um, there's a lot of life. There's a lot of, the bugs are formidable. Just straight up, the bugs are formidable in the forest. I had no idea what I was in for. And this is a girl who really traveled a lot of places um, in my younger days. The, um, so our camping trip was extended and suddenly home was this clearing in the forest. We got a well dug and that went really smoothly. 
We hit water at um, a little over 600 feet. Um, the water was sweet, so it didn't need any sort of treatment to make it taste good and flowing lots of water. Um, and we made the decision to stay off the grid because the, um, you know, it's interesting, someone like myself who has this um, interest in cultivating plants, this interest in um, the forest, I didn't really realize, and this might sound foolish, that land development was going to involve so much deforestation. Mm. And um, the number of large trees that we had to remove to make a one lane driveway that just accesses our main clearing. And then the, our main clearing, which is so small, um, like most people can't turn around their cars in it. They have to, you know, take a multi-point turn. So this was so much deforestation and it was weighing really heavily on me. So we had previously, um, negotiated easements across neighbors' properties to bring in our electrical lines. And we decided, based on how um, demoralizing it was, to look at just dozens of like crumpled over trees that are older than me, that a bulldozer had like pushed down into ravines in order to make the road that I had contracted. Um, this was demoralizing enough that we opted to not bring in the electricity, at least not yet. And um, we were living, everything was outdoors, everything was in the woods. We were staying in the shipping container that we had ordered to put our storage stuff in. And the transition was really clumsy because of the COVID restrictions. We had planned on getting gym memberships, going to the gym, doing my yoga practice every day, doing my asanas, um, taking a shower at the gym, coming back. This just didn't happen because the gyms were closed. Um, there was even a period there when we couldn't get drinking water before our well was dug. Every, like all the parks closed off all of the hydrants. There was like no, no drinking water. So the transition was really clumsy and not being able to even just go into town and sit down at a Starbucks and open my computer and take care of um, my online responsibilities for the university. It was, uh, it was really a challenge. So um, this lifestyle of being outside from first thing you get up in the morning until right before I went to bed every day, um, not really having any appropriate um, shelter for this transition time, and then having just straight up woods in all directions. Um, this has a profound effect on the one's feelings of um, need to take care of yourself. So I think a lot of this Pacific lifestyle that's promoted in um, you know, the yoga community is 
modeled after the Brahmins of ancient India, of Vedic India. And um, just to clarify, I don't mean Brahmins nowadays because the yoga texts are about like a conceptual thing that doesn't necessarily translate to what exists now. Um, and this was a group of individuals whose safety was being protected by the kshatriyas, by the warriors, by the government group. When you're being protected by someone else, you don't have to be fierce. When we lived in Las Vegas, I carried my mace when I went running and that was it, right? I'd go for my run in the morning before it was light out, like kind of creepy people sometimes. I'd carry my mace. I mean, every so often a dog would like attack me or something. But most of the time, there was no need for me to feel like I need to personally defend myself because either I was at home and Jeremy was with me, I'm in the safety of my house. Even if something scary happened outside, I could call the cops, um, whether that's helpful, you know. But, um, but this aloneness in the forest, um, you know, first we arrived and we didn't have any weapons. And then um, the reality of not being at the top of the food chain when that started to set in for me, when I started to have um, encounters with wildlife that are predatory, um, the coyotes, the bobcats, we have heard about mountain lions and bears in our area, but we haven't seen these things. Um, the, uh, we started keeping some poultry right away um, for two reasons. One, that poultry eat ticks, right? Free-ranging chicken eat ticks, and this is a tick zone, so you want ticks in your, you want ticks to be consumed for your, by your chickens. And secondly, because, um, yes, after having been vegan for um, over 10 years, and Jeremy, I think, closer to 15, um, that's one thing, but when I was, like, 22, I chose to live off the grid for a year doing some volunteer work in the Caribbean. And it was a purposeful decision that I did so that I could um, see what that was. I, I knew at that young age that um, I would like to have the opportunity to do this again someday. And I don't want to be completely clueless living off the grid when I'm older. So why not like give it a trial run? So, I was willing to make some um, changes to my diet because of the facility with which one can cook eggs. You keep your own hens, you cook your eggs, you don't need to refrigerate them. It's really hard to live without a refrigerator. I had no idea, but seven months without a refrigerator and like everything's rotting. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, you know, you don't want to drive. It's like 45 minutes to town. So I didn't want to drive every day. Um, and I got really up on my fermenting game. So my pickled vegetables are like the best they've ever been. My sauerkrauts and other, um, you know, Indian style achar pickle, those are like off the hook. I did so much fermenting in the woods, apple cider, peach wine. Um, like it's a food storage strategy. And if you don't have, um, consistent electricity, you know, we have generators, so we can run our well pump, we can 
fire up the blender even in the woods if I want to. But um, this uh, really, the addition of the eggs into the diet um, was something we planned right from arrival. And it took about four months to implement because we had to wait for our animals to get big enough to lay mm. and started eating quail eggs, um, quail lay after only eight weeks. So we started eating quail eggs and we integrated those into our diet. We had a number of um, attacks by animals on our poultry. Um, there was like one period when, oh, it was so bad, these raccoons that I actually just had so many carcasses, I couldn't dispose of them. Um, so then we realized we can't just have these raccoons attacking our, you know, poultry. Um, Jeremy used to own guns prior to being a vegetarian. He was into to hunting. So we, you know, started um, arming ourselves as self-defense and as defense of our animals and um and also kind of a lot of venomous snakes out here uh that's a super real thing um and it became a situation where we weren't protected by anyone else and that this really um pacific stance that i'd taken in vegas of I don't have to, to manage my own safety really shifted when you're just out in the middle of the forest. Um, the immediacy of threats is really real. Mm -hmm. And this is also um, deep woods that there are creepy people. There are creepy people and you don't want to just be lost in the woods out here with creepy people around. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. So is it just the quail eggs you guys are doing? Are you doing anything else beyond that at this point? Um, you know, we haven't been eating the quail eggs. We, um, we purchased a little house. So this is the next chapter of the transition is we purchased a little house on three quarters of an acre and we moved in at the beginning of October. Um, Jeremy's constructing a cabin for us. It's under construction, it's coming along really nicely, but um, it wasn't move-in ready at the end of the summer. Also, there was this conundrum with gardening in the forest that I, um, I immediately started planting things, right? This is what I've been used to doing for many years now. And I had just gardening fail after gardening fail with the closed canopy forest system that we, um, that we have out by the lake. The uh, amount of light that filters through makes it really hard to grow vegetables. And so given the choice between deforesting probably an acre of our forest in order to grow food or getting another piece of land that just already was clear. Um, again, my conscience with all of the tree deaths um, grew involved in the driveway experience. Um, it just all worked out. So we got this little house. It's by Sugar Creek. 
um, which is this lovely little creek that begins in Garfield, just a few miles from our forest property. And it's up on the top of a hill. It's got three quarters of an acre that's just perfectly clear, beautiful. We've planted an orchard now with like 55 fruit trees um, and a bunch of blueberry bushes, great big vegetable garden. Um, we've got chickens out here as well as um, the chicken coops in the woods. And um, we are um, not eating any of the eggs at present. We're incubating a lot of chicken eggs and some turkey eggs. We have a pair of turkeys that we got um, for amusement's sake. They're really fun pets. <laughs> and um, we're trying to get those going so that we can fill our chicken coops that are on our forest property and have the tick patrol cruising the area while we work on our cabin this summer to keep the, the bug problems down. Um, the quail, we've incubated quite a few of. We um, sold a bunch of baby quail. A lot of people are getting interested in keeping birds this last year. So um, we did take some time to do that, enough to recoup our um, funds lost on buying incubators and stuff. And um, I don't, we, we haven't had a conclusive feeling yet about eating eggs. At first, I felt um, really relieved to integrate them into our diet. It had been um, months of uh, cooking in a Dutch oven on an open fire, cooking on a um, propane burner, which works pretty well, just like an indoor stove. Um, and having this refrigeration problem where if I was really attentive to my ice situation, I was doing okay. And if I forgot my cooler in a sunny spot or um, forgot to buy ice, then everything would just die in, all at once, um, would just wilt and become not fit for consumption. Mm -hmm. So when we first introduced the eggs, Jeremy especially, he was working so hard. Um, and he felt nourished. He felt like he was getting enough nutrition. Um, I was leaning really heavily on things that I don't even usually keep in the house. We were eating a lot of like noodles in the evening where um, I was limited on my ability to soak beans and then cook them because of the, the timing issues of having to soak it and then cook it and then what do I do if there's leftovers? I can't put something that's warm back in the cooler. So whatever I, we have to eat right away. Um, it, I was really not on my game. I was struggling. So um, we were leaning on pasta in the evenings, leaning on um, things that I could make really quickly that didn't need to be, um, that were not perishable and didn't need prep. So the, um, the eggs really changed our nutrition game at that point. And we were able to, um, Jeremy was like, wow, I feel full. I feel this is so much better. Um, dinner wasn't stressful. It, I, um, it was like this, we could keep working, um, moving wood, moving rocks, uh, doing lots of clearing and cleaning and um, construction type projects. And, um, and then come in and make something pretty quickly. So that was a big game changer. When we moved here into this little house by Sugar Creek, 
suddenly I was able to cook the way I'm used to. I was able to, you know, sprout seeds if I wanted to and have like alfalfa or clover sprouts, anything. The sky's the limit. So um, we shifted back to just the vegan diet. Um, but we have a lot of eggs. So I don't know where that's going to go. There's also, I think, a lot of... Um, I have a total lack of clarity about what's going to be happening in the United States in the next few years. And a lot of people have developed a lot more interest in producing more of their own food, mm -hmm. which been an interest of mine for a while. But necessity, I don't know how, if necessity pushes, no problem. I don't have a problem eating eggs. I don't know. Um, I asked Jeremy, I knew you were going to ask this question. So I asked Jeremy this afternoon. I said, did you come up with, like, do you have a conclusive response to our experiment with eating the quail eggs for four months? And he said, he said, I think we had too many things going on between having like this really hard camping lifestyle and this extremely strenuous amount of um, physical labor to do. And then, um, just a lot of pressures that come with life being so hard and the transition. And then of course, all of the um, animosity and stress caused by the COVID thing with, um, with others, you know, it's just, it made everything very stressful. So I think that one will probably come, we'll probably do another test on the eggs and don't worry Paige, I'll update you. Well, and, and you know, I think it's, most important, I'm not someone who's, who's like adamant about like you have to live life a certain way. I think I've clarified this over the years. For me, it, it's, it's we go through seasons, we go through cycles, can you adapt? And that's why this podcast was so important to me because, you know, things are changing and people are going to just, they're going to have to adapt. I mean, I do a lot of programs on entrepreneurs as well, like talking about ways to create on your own because with the old systems crumbling and failing, you know, or we see like the, the businesses, corporations, especially becoming oligarchies, right? They're just so top heavy that it's like, if you're not this billionaire, you're making $15 an hour. It's like, really? These are our options. So like, again, just, it's all about, can you be flexible and adapt when, when necessary? I mean, I just think that's the key. You know, we all have what we kind of prefer and, um, it's funny you, you talk about like the fermented uh, vegetables. My, my, um, my birthday party last night, I've been celebrating all week, but the dinner last night was um, cabbage and um, uh, what's that? Not, what, they're, they're bitter, radishes and beets, and it was all pickled and, and um, it was so good. And I was like, I need to take some of this home with me just for my belly. Um, you know, so... I, I get it. And I never in a million years thought I'd be eating this way until my intuition told me you need to start eating lots of sauerkraut, you know, because I could just tell my body needed it. And again, just adapting, like it's all about kind of going with what you need as opposed to being stuck on a, a mindset that's not serving you anymore, you know? And that's why I think your story is so impressive because you're like, okay, well, well now we have to do this. Okay. Now we have to do this. And, you know, just, again, it's like a total adaptation that you've gone through. Like you've really had to leave so many of your norms behind. And that's just, it's impressive, you know? 
Well, thanks, Paige. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time being impressed by you, so it's nice to hear you coming back from you. You know, the, um, how we define ourselves is something that is necessary. It's necessary we define ourselves in a certain way, but there isn't anything inherent in the identity that pertains to the true self. And it's easy as we get older, right? I turned 40 this last summer in the woods. Um, it's easy as we get older to allow the comfort of being this certain person um, to become a rigidity that doesn't allow for growth. It's very limiting to be stuck being the same person and not having the freedom to explore being someone else. When I was younger, before I met you, I did a bunch of really radical self-growth accompanied by large long distance moves. And I discovered I was, when I discovered that this was possible, I was 18. I um, had graduated from high school in Hawaii. I had been, um, I had been a vegetarian for um, nine years at that point, right? Only person I've just met, right? Not my family. And um, I decided that I wanted to explore why I was a vegetarian. I had made my decision to be a vegetarian as a nine-year-old. Why? Because the camp counselors were really cool and they were vegetarians and I want to be like them and I want to be a camp counselor when I'm old enough, right? So then at 18, people would ask me, why are you vegetarian? And that was the really dumb answer. And I say, I don't know, you know, just habit. I've always been this way. This is like the person I'm being. So I realized as I set out to New Hampshire for university, that I wasn't gonna have to explain this to anyone if I just dropped it right now. So I got on the plane in Honolulu, vegetarian for nine years, got off the plane in Boston, just did never talk about that with anyone. Gave myself the freedom to explore, do I, do I like a pork chop? I don't know, I don't remember, I have no idea, right? So, this um, was a really instructive um, experiment for me. And I, um, I didn't stick with eating meat, right? I think that experiment lasted about five years and um, it allowed me some more freedom to travel internationally and um, stay with hosts and not have to have any sort of specific dietary requirements, which made it easier to flow um, with travel. But I wasn't, um, it broke me of this feeling of this is me. And if I don't have this, I'm not me. Right. Well, none of this is, none of this is me. This is all, this is just my stuff. This is just my hair. I can shave my head and be a new person and like get facial tattoos and act different. And this would also be me because it's me having the experience. 
And these experiences are enriching and these experiences um, help us to build wisdom. And these experiences help us to um, be gratified by, the, by life so that hopefully we can get all of the, um, you know, scratch all of the itches we have to scratch and see all the places we have to see, check off enough of our bucket list that we just can throw the rest away because we don't care. And this is the way I think to have serenity at the end of life is to have had all of the experiences we want to have. But there's this huge risk of getting locked into, I'm a super respected yoga teacher in Las Vegas. Therefore, I need to do all of my practices every day. And I need to have this really like strict behavior that's always upholding this like certain set of values in a certain way. And um, there's great growth in this, but there's also um, so much more to life, this ability to break away from that and then just do something else and be someone else. So experimenting with changing my diet, experimenting with um, getting dogs. We got hound dogs. I like have these two great big brown hound dogs now and they like run through the woods and make lots of noise. And, um, you know, experimenting with, okay, I have to carry a gun because we've determined that if I'm not able to... Um, that otherwise I'm a liability on our land. So, okay, in that case, I'm going to learn how to shoot it. And then if you're going to be shooting, then you might as well have some fun 22 that you take and you play with and it's cheap and you can just blow a bunch of ammo and this is a date now, right? right? So this is like very freeing to try doing these different, um, literally being someone different. And... Um, these are tangible lifestyle elements, but they do not define the person. They do not define the person. The other day you texted me, Paige, and you um, sent me some images and you said, I love redefining myself. And I sent you my wedding images and I yeah. said, I do, right? <laughs> and, um, and here's the thing is none of these things we hold on to these are all like adornments on the container and we're having this experience in this container and right now this container is like doing this outdoorsy arkansas hound dog out hunting thing right right um, but what's really consistent is the things that I connect with you on. You're someone new now too. You're doing something different. But we connect because we have drive. We start things. We um, put, you know, we have, you said I'm visionary. You're visionary. There's these um, certain ways that you do things. It's not what you do. It's how do you approach life. Mm -hmm. And you learn how to approach life in different ways by having new sets of challenges, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And talk about redefinition. Yeah, when I left the yoga community, 
you know, and it, it lined up with my assault. And I always tell people, you know, I come from Mormon roots, right? So everyone's got basements, stored food, guns, you know, but for me, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was, you know, experienced shooter or anything. I was wanting to understand it better, but then I got assaulted and it was like, okay, you're going to, you're now you're going to own a pistol. Before that, I like, I just liked shooting the rifle. You know, I liked, liked blowing stuff up. But once, once, once uh, I got assaulted, I was like, well, now you get to learn how to use a pistol and you get to carry one. You know, it, it changed everything. And I'm not one of these people, you know, I, I, I was shocked at the devastation of the community. I got so much backlash as though I was betraying them. And I'm thinking, but who, who, if I have loyalty to anyone, who would that be? And it would be to my own experience. Like that's where my loyalty is. It's to my experience. So, um, you know, and I needed to adapt and go with the changes in my own life and honor that, you know, and I, it's not like I don't have a practice. I actually do primary series, you know, pretty regularly just to keep myself mobile. But at the same time, like my life doesn't revolve around that anymore. That is not the centerpiece of my world. And it's actually incredibly liberating to not have that centerpiece, like dictate, like it did for 20 years. Like my yoga practice dictated my job, my relationships, my sleep patterns, everything. And so like to not have that is, is kind of freeing, you know, and again, to, to, it's almost like people think that once they found yoga, they have found the Holy Grail, right? Like, like we're just supposed to go through this process of renunciation in this human form, in this life. Like we're all supposed to get there. And it's like, you know, but even if you do, guess what happens? You go back into the world after that process, right? And so that's what I've done. It's like, I've gone back into the world and I feel more connected with normal people than ever I felt like I was kind of on my own island as a yogi you know what I mean and so I I I don't know I feel like I'm more relatable now and I like it I'm really enjoying it I'm enjoying every aspect of it and I again I get so much backlash it's like what are you doing in bikinis and guns what else do I have to do like I've never done this let's do it (laughs) you know what I mean because I'm not caught up in trying to present myself a certain way I never have been and it's, it's, it's so incredible to me how many people expect me to present myself a certain way. And I'm like, well, that's, that's you. That's not me. I'm not the one caught up on that, that, mm. that status or that image or that identity or that, that definition. You are. Um, which can make it real easy to adapt when necessary. You know, it's like we're constantly going through that um, the egoic death, like every, every change that we experience in life obviously prepares us for our ultimate death. And, and so the better you can handle that change, the better off you'll be, I think on a, on a soul level. Um, so yeah. And, and I know you and I have talked, I'm definitely going to have you on here to discuss philosophy from the, the, like, like really get into the yogic philosophy as opposed to the woke narratives that exist right now in the yoga world, which I, I, I don't identify with at all, but you're really and truly like, you're saying, okay, you know, if I were to live this life completely, what would it look like? And you're, it's not, that's what's so funny to me. It's not like you're saying, okay, I'm vegan and I'm going to go down the street to my favorite restaurant that just caters to me. And I don't have to know where the food comes from. And I don't have to deal with, with, you know, 
like every angle of this operation. I can just go get my thing, go home, wear my Lululemons and like live this woke spiritual life. No, you're like in the trenches going, okay, this is what it really means to live this life. <laughs> and I just, I think that's incredible. Um, oh, yeah, no, that's great. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, this egoic death that you just said, this is, um, this is one of the main ways that we learn. And this is one of the ways that our friends hinder us. Our friends want us, not all the time, right? There are people who are like totally free from this. But when we try to change and try being someone new, there's this group of people that says, no, I need you to keep being this thing for me because I'm somehow setting myself off of you and I need you there fulfilling this role. <sighs> yeah, I see the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and right now on a grand scale, I feel like everyone is having that identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Of course, I love it. I'm like, welcome to my world. <laughs> so um, before we run out of time, I wanted to share a couple of um, insights that I've had, uh, you know, this experience is really, it's super opened my eyes. I felt like if anyone could, um, could do it, right? If anyone could move on to 12 acres of hardwood forest and build a cabin, build a garden, set up a life, um, that Jeremy and I were like super qualified right? Independently of each other, we've got all the skills, the fermenting and the hunting and the slaughtering and the cooking and the gardening and the building and all the things, right? Um, we both have been building our individual skill sets with this sort of um, activity since we were like in grade school. And, um, and then we had a lot of freedom with this transition. Um, neither of us has, have worked this whole time. You know, we planned to not have to have employment for a couple of years, to not have financial pressure regarding, um, you know, acquisition of all the things you need. Um, little bit of insight into how the acquisition process can be stressful, like digging a well, so you hire someone to dig a well and they tell you the per foot price and then you have no idea how long it's going to be before they hit water and you can ask nearby well owners how deep is your well but it varies and then you have this huge loud equipment on your property for days all day just drilling and every time they put a new pipe in it, you're like, oh, wow, dude, that's really expensive. That's like 150 bucks right there. And then they just keep putting them in the ground, putting them in the ground, putting them in the ground. And um, hopefully you hit water and hopefully it's not like two gallons a minute, which is too little to run your house off of that you won't even be able to like flush a toilet. Um, and then, so you need, that's my financial pre-planning for this type of a project is just like whoa 
really hard. So we took care of that. We took care of the lifestyle things where we didn't have any other dependents to deal with. We're just going to go do this. We don't have to work. We can afford all the things. We have all the skills. And nonetheless, the experience was absolutely daunting. The number of unexpected challenges we had was really high. Wow. And the goal of in one warm season, can we take ourselves from arriving with all of our stuff, right? All of our modern equipment, construction tools, etc., and create for ourselves a cabin that we can live in by winter. This seems like it should be doable, right? People were doing this. People did. That's how the U.S. got settled. And wow, that just didn't work out for us. So by October, we were like, okay, we've got this little house. We're going to just go move in. It's fine. This isn't a failure, or is it, right? I mean, all the projects are still underway, but the initial timeline didn't happen, and we very much felt this need to retreat from the, um, the being in nature so much. When we first moved in here, we spent like two months just hanging out. The most stressful thing we did was take the dogs on a walk. It was like sleeping and resting. I took a lot of baths. Um, so I get these emails from these places that are like promoting um, self-reliance. It's easy to grow all your own food on one acre. Okay, so once your one acre set up, then it's easy. Once you know how to keep bees and you have a beehive with bees in it and you know how to keep chickens and you have a chicken coop and it's got automatic waterers and feeders and your chickens are grown and they're safe. Once you have the garden established with the soil that's fertile, once you have the mature fruit trees, you can harvest fruit. But the setup process is um, really hard. And I was pretty surprised that we didn't have a smoother time of things, given um, the fact that I really felt that we were set up for massive success, perhaps more than other people. Sure. So, um, wow, that's a thing. So I remember you telling me that you were even bathing in the lake, right? Is that correct? Yeah, right at the beginning. So, um, yeah, and so we got our well dug. My whole showering at the gym plan was off. I um, couldn't even go to like City Hall and get water from the spigot because they um, put locks on everything. So, we definitely had about a month where it was like bathing in rainwater, bathing in the lake. Um, bathing in the waterfall um, on our property, which is fed by a spring. Um, it was, I had a lot of bug bites. Um, we had some injuries. We had some illnesses. It's real hard to recuperate from that kind of thing when you don't have a place to retreat to. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess the thing is that a lot of times what I'm 
what I'm hearing from people in this last year, and a lot of this is secondhand, is I'm so fed up, I just want to like leave the city. I can't hear you, Marissa. Your mic is off. Ha, there, there you are. There you are. Um, you were, is, I, my internet for a second. So, um, so you were saying people, people um, are so fed up. They want to leave the city and then I think it cut out. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a decision that you can just all of a sudden go do. I mean, and have like unlimited funds to just pay somebody else to do all of your projects for you. This is going to take um, a lot of pre-planning like anything. Um, and I have to just take my hat off to the original settlers. Those must have been some really tough people um, because I, I'm not that tough. Um, I'm not that tough. I, I took refuge in a house. I think it's I think it's clear that like these consecutive generations, especially since World War II, have no clue what hard is. We're so spoiled that we have to make shit up now. I think that's pretty obvious. Like my life is not hard. Even on my absolute worst day, my life is not hard. You know, it's it's stressful, but it's not it's it's doable. You know, the things that I that life has asked of me is doable. When when we think back about yeah, like even even my mom grew up in Vegas where, you know, in the desert and they didn't have air conditioning in the car driving to and from California, you know, in this heat and like even and that that was in my my mother's alive. That was in her lifetime. It wasn't even that long ago, right? Like and oh god, I don't know that I could have done that. You know, it's like we're spoiled. I'm spoiled. Mhm. Mm I know that I couldn't do what you're doing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, like, I've got that in me. I don't. My moon is in Taurus. Security means luxury. <laughs> it is what it is. I get it. Like, I'm not going to try to go against my own grain there unless I absolutely have to. But um, so the fact that you did this willingly, again, I just think that's incredible. So. You know, it's been going really well today. We put the last tree in the orchard um, that we've planted here at the Sugar Creek House with the big clearing. So we've got 55 fruit trees and it'll probably be five years before we take fruit off of them. Um, but it'll be a formidable amount of fruit in five years. And um, my first sprouts came up in the annuals garden outside. Some Persian crests um, happened to be the first ones. So it's on a roll. Um, I guess the main thing is it has to do with scale, you know, that this idea of I need to just leave and go live off the grid. This is for very few people. Mm -hmm. This is for very few people. And um, most people who just want to become more self-reliant would do well with taking smaller steps. And um, like you said, we just, 
hardly anyone even has a garden anymore. So going not having a garden to growing all your own food, I mean, give yourself a couple decades. That's not an right. easy, that's not an easy transition. Um, I do, um, I do think that some level of this is possible for everyone, you know, um, being able to, uh, we grew a lot of our own produce when we were living in Vegas and, um, a lot of our own vegetables. We had a lot of fruit and nut trees. We grew, I think about 40 medicinal plants in our garden. Um, it was certainly possible to do a lot, um, just next to a track home. So for people who are interested in developing a more self-reliant um, lifestyle, my recommendation would be do the next obvious thing. Do the next obvious thing that doesn't require you to really change your life in any way and then take it from there. So of all the challenges, what was the biggest challenge? Um, you know, Paige, I had a really serious burn in um, June that I would say was probably our main setback. Um, I was uh, making the previously discussed pasta dinner. Hmm. And um, I don't know what happened if I tripped on a rock or if just my hand slipped. But in that moment of pouring the boiling water off the noodles, I poured about a gallon of boiling water on one of my feet. Ooh. And um, yeah, I knew right away that it was a extremely serious injury. And, um, you know, over the last um, several years, I've been really examining burn care strategies from a natural medicine point of view. And looking into the ways that allopathic medicine manages burns. So I had a pretty clear plan immediately when the water hit my foot. I like limped myself about four steps to um, where we had a hose coming out of our well. And, um, and I just started spraying my foot hydrotherapy, get it cooled down. So after, um, after about two hours, Jeremy said, hey, the storage tank's going to empty eventually. You need to either like lay off using so much water or I need to turn on the generator and we need to fill the tank again or we need another plan. So um, we discussed it. We contemplated um, having him carry me down to where we have a spring on our property and um, I opted to continue hydrotherapy um, using less water, using buckets of water. Um, about five days into the healing process, I started taking some photos. I hadn't ever treated a third degree burn before. It was um, pretty big. Um, I'd say most of my foot and ankle. Um, and I basically, I did hydrotherapy for the first five days exclusively. Like I took my foot out of cold water for long enough to like go to the restroom. 
Um, and then I started using aloe vera. I used a lot of aloe vera and a lot of hydrotherapy. And later I worked in um, some local honey to the treatment strategy. And I'd say it took about four weeks before I was able to like put a shoe on that foot again mm. and work. So right in the middle of the warm season when we should have been able to keep our momentum going, um, I had this really debilitating thing that kept me literally like off my feet. Um, I wasn't really safe to like even venture more than 20 feet away from my cabin at that point. Um, and Jeremy also took a bunch of downtime to help, to help me not just be sitting by myself with a major injury. Um, my healing was perfect. Like you can't tell which foot had the burn at all when you look at the two to each other. Um, there was a little stiffness in my ankle that I had to rehabilitate. Um, I used yoga, no problem. And, um, and that took a couple of maybe about a month and a half when I was able to, um, to work on that. But this was definitely, um, I mean, you can't plan when you get injured. We can't plan when accidents happen. Um, the timing was real bad on that one. And I think it was the main setback that um, cost us a lot of progress with our project. Um, I'm really happy that I, that it healed. And I'm also really happy that um, I had the confidence and the skills to manage the injury and also the cool mindset because that was pretty scary. Um, I'd say for the first few days, I really didn't know if I was gonna be like, um, having a major, major issue. Um, so I'm glad I had the ability to manage that myself because I'm pretty sure if at that point we had loaded me up in the car, driven all the way to where a hospital is, waited for COVID crazy to like let right. me in the hospital, right? And then gotten me care. I think that would have probably taken the better part of eight hours. And I think if I hadn't spent those first eight hours of the injury, I mean, within 10 seconds of the injury, boom, cold water. I don't think I would have, I think I would have had to have skin grafts. If I'd gone to the hospital, I think that delay mm -hmm. would have made skin necessary. And the reason that I didn't have to go through that is because of how prompt, and that's always the thing with burn care is it's start removing the heat from the burn immediately. You've got to get that out because as long as that painful burning feeling's happening, the burn's still worsening, you yeah. know? So um, that was the biggest setback for sure. I'm totally fine. Um, yeah, speaking but, of burns, I've had two shell burns on my oh. chest. That's annoying. Oh no. Yeah, I've had to learn to um, wear a scarf when I target practice because <laughs> otherwise like my cleavage, they go into my bra and I end up, I've had, I've had two now. So yeah, it's, 
I don't know why those nine millimeters, they just pop. They're just, they're, they're just all over the place. They're like, like it's raining or something. The 22 doesn't do that, but the nine, oh, always. It's like, oh, you got to like dodge them as you're shooting. Um, so what was the, or what has been something that you would say like came as a surprise and has been a blessing that you've experienced? Oh, I love this question. So we decided that this piece of land was great enough that we were going to like drop everything and move across the country for it. What? <laughs> it was really beautiful, right? We walked through the land. Um, it's 12 acres. It's by the lake. It's hardwood forest. And consistently, I'm amazed at how great this piece of land is. Every month, I'm discovering something new that it's way cooler than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. um, the initial discovery that the waterfall was spring fed and then the discovery that the other waterfall was spring fed and then the discovery that they don't dry out in the middle of the summer. It's just live water that keeps running. Um, the discovery of um, wild growing medicinal mushrooms, like multiple varieties. Um, today, we were down by the waterfalls, just hanging out, I guess, on a date. Um, and I looked over and I said, look, Jeremy, that's a trillium. So the trillium is a Native American medicinal plant that was utilized by Native Americans during, um, for childbirth. It um, reportedly, I have not used this plant, it's pretty rare now. Um, so it was part of the Native American medicine chest utilized to help bring on contractions and also to limit postpartum bleeding. Oh. So when it was discovered, right, by Europeans, this particular plant got super integrated into usage and um, amounts of it growing in the wild started going down. It requires um, water source all the time, all year. And it's really, really slow growing. So um, it's kind of a special plant. It's considered at risk. Um, most herbalists uh, would say don't utilize it. Utilize other plants that have similar um, effects. And you, maybe you can use a pairing of multiple um, to replace it out, use things that are more common. But um, finding these trillium growing down on our property was like amazing. So I would say definitely the um, uh, just shocked at my good luck shocked at my good luck that i that jeremy and i could choose a parcel um and we looked at a lot of pieces of land and it's really hard you walk through the forest and you're like this is awesome let's have a picnic i don't know how do i choose um that we chose a spot that has just been turning out to be so awesome Awesome. I'm happy for you. I do want to get out there one of these days. I was looking at the flights are a little tricky, but I can fly Allegiant and stay like five days. It's, it's, that, it's an interesting, it's an interesting place to fly to. It's not like it's like going to LA or going to New York. Like it's, you know, 
requires special yeah. logistical <laughs> arrangements. <laughs> it, does, it does require a little bit of special logistics flying into the airport here is really small. It's one of those like walk across the tarmac kind of places. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, we would love to have you come visit. That'd be really fun. I would love to go shooting with you. That would be yeah. really fun. Yeah, that'd be great. I, um, Jeremy's been teaching me and I'm, um, I just take all the lessons and do what he says. And the yoga maybe really helps because I've made great progress way more than I thought. Um, just the focus and, um, you know, body awareness perhaps. So, um, yeah, it's been, um, we would love to see you. We're about to, um, we've had a couple visitors come out and um, we're about to host another visitor. So that's really fun. And it's starting to feel like home here. It, it has been a year, but a hard first year, really, really hard first year. And um, it's starting to feel like home. We're starting to feel settled. Um, I have one big project that Jeremy and I are wrapping up um, from our Las Vegas time. And this is something that we talked a little bit about. Um, like I was saying that we have a lot of things in common. I um, reached out to you about uh, book publishing info. Right, right, right. So our project, yeah, our book project is still underway as well. So um, when I get that uh, in that, hand. That is a project. Oh, <laughs> writing a book. That's why you mm -hmm. hired a ghostwriter. I was like, you can handle the project. I'll just talk. <laughs> but congratulations. That's amazing. Thanks. Thanks. Is there anything else? Marissa, if someone wanted to reach out to pick your brain or whatever, for whatever reason, what is the best way to find you, reach you? I'm not going to give out your numbers. So what, how would you prefer people find you? Oh, that's a really great question. Well, I'm about to change my name and I haven't decided if I'm going to change my email address yet. So I guess as of right now, the easiest thing to do would be to email me at my um, Marissa Lee Harris at Gmail um, email or to get a hold of you page and you could point them my direction. Um, and We'll see what um, I think. I don't know how much I'm going to, what I'm going to switch over and when I'm going to switch things over. And I don't have too much of a public face right now. Yeah, but you have a well of information. So. I try. <laughs> what I suck at, Marissa's great at and vice versa. So there's that. We make a good team. Yeah, for sure. Well, Marissa, thank you so much. And I will be having you back on because we're going to have other discussions. But for now, thank you. And um, I guess that's a wrap. So thank you guys for joining us. And we will see you next time. Can't wait. Bye, hun. Bye. <laughs>